Wait. Hey. There he is. There he is. Dude, What's you, going you just, on, you baby? Just, you were just blue balls at me there. You're just fucking like waiting in the wings, waiting to get on the stage, was, and then nothing happened. I was properly waiting, waiting my turn. <laughs> I see there's a long line of people waiting to get in here. Yeah, totally. Right now there's exact, exactly zero people. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if this would turn into anything or not, but just wanted to do a little, uh, a little something. I just wanted to hear everybody else's takes on on Big Twelve Media Days because obviously, like K State is our centerpiece, but there were a lot of other things discussed today. And and your mark had some had some commentary, had some remarks, but also even just things like Mike Gundy and uh, talking about who Oklahoma State's new rival is now that Bedlam's dying. So I'm just kind of curious what other people have to say about some of that stuff. Yeah, I saw, um, what's his name? Presley. I think that's his name, the receiver from Oklahoma State. He said their biggest yeah. rival is going to be Iowa State. That's all that. I thought that was very strange. I didn't expect that. Do you think they're trying to steal Farmageddon away from us, Chef? I don't think they're trying to steal Farmageddon, but I think I think it's very strange that People want a piece of Iowa State. Like, they're a brand. Like, <laughs> what is happening? Like, why does everybody want a piece of Iowa State? That's why, a great question. I don't get it. But, you know, I mean, Lance Leipold, he tried to save face for KU. And I I just don't see. People are saying four games, three games. I just don't see it at all. I don't see where they're going to get three games. Um, who else was interesting? I mean, aside from K-State, I think uh, Dave Aranda is, he is a robot. He is. He's so boring. Oh my God. It's insane how he's just, I don't think he moved. I don't think he blinked. Not one time. He is, he is a robot. He has zero charisma. He's a wonderful football coach and, and a great leader of men. I like, don't get me wrong. But that dude is as white bread as white bread gets when he get on the podium. And I mean, I get that he's a good defensive mind at coach at, for a head coach, and pro, and obviously as a D coordinator, he was great with LSU and Wisconsin and all that. But I mean, I couldn't tell you for Baylor's program, they're they're so locked locked down as the athletic department. I couldn't tell you who's their defensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator. I think they have like a former K Stater at like maybe maybe that was back in the day. I think his name was Bennett. He was a big time K State assistant. Oh yeah, he was. He was Phil a, Bennett. He was, yeah, Phil Bennett was a. He was an R. Bryles guy, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I, I don't know if he. I don't know if he coincided with Matt Rule or not, but he was a good dude. I just know that there was some weird shit too. Like his wife got struck by lightning twice. Yeah, in died, that yeah. was. That was bizarre, um, but I, from everything I heard, he was a good dude. I don't think he yeah. was part of the whole um, – God, I forget the name of the guy at Oklahoma who's the offensive coordinator that was at Ole Miss. Um, I don't think he was part of the whole, like, save Art Bryles movement for whatever right. it's worth, but it yeah, was still Levy. weird. Yeah, yeah, Levy. Yep. Who's up with that? That, that's, that's, that Hayes in here? That's What's Hayes. going on, folks? Hayes. What's going on? My fellow Crusader um, alum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but other than uh, I couldn't tell you who's their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They have it very locked down, and they're gonna. I don't know from what he was saying. I don't know how con- you can't tell anything from what he was saying, but I don't know how confident 
I am with Baylor just from what they bring back. I just don't know what they're gonna what they're gonna do this year. Everybody they had a lot of turnover. one, but they had a ton of turnover. Especially yeah, on Hannon was kind of the heart and soul of that team last year and he and he's not coming back. Yeah, but I don't know because they, as soon as the slightest injury to Bohannon, they switched so quick to that kid. And I mean, he tore us up, but I don't, is he going to be legit to survive a full season at the, in the 12? I don't know. I don't know. I would would probably defer to someone else on that. I'm going to have to disagree with you guys. I think Blake Shapin was far better than Bohannon. Yeah, that's not really a lot at all. He tore us up for sure, but I just don't – he was a – what was he, a true freshman or a redshirt freshman? Dude, that was also such a winnable game for us. Yeah. The fact that and, we didn't win that game was absolute dog shit. And he tore us up, but will he be able to survive a full season? I mean, once people get the game film on you, I mean, it's totally different. I mean, I mean, you threw in uh, Will Howard to TCU, and he looked – somewhat like a gamer but i mean after after that people got the film on him and it just went straight downhill for us so will it happen to the baylor quarterback too i don't know he was pretty good in the uh big 12 championship as i recall because i think that he started that game too Mm. yeah yeah i I don't remember which bowl game they were in they were in the sugar bowl i think sugar bowl yeah he played well in that right I think so. Oh, I mean, Grant, I that was kind they... of a defensive slugfest. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that was his fault or – Yeah. They... I'll go look at the stats. Yeah, they dominated Ole Miss. It was 21-7. to seven. Um, Matt Crawford. Yeah, Bohannon, had, he was 7 for 17 with 40 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. So. Mm, that's yuck. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> see, yuck. I don't see the other guy on here at all. I Maybe mean, he, I feel like I remember him getting hurt either in the Big 12 championship or like soon after that. Shapen or the kid? Uh, Shapen. The, yeah. the other kid. I got to get his name down. Shapen. He, he went 23 for 28 for three touchdowns in the Big 12 title. Shapen did. Wow. That's but, pretty but solid because Oklahoma that game, State's defense was nothing to sneeze mm-hmm. at. No, but they that game, once it go, and I, I think this is for just football in general, once the the style of game plan, I mean, gameplay gets set, that was a shootout from the start. And I think they just, they were like, okay, we're just going to keep pace with them. Just let them do what they got to do because we can't stop it, but they can't stop us either because that thing went down to the wire. Yeah, that was an awesome game. I remember that so well. It was so much fun to watch. I felt so bad for Oklahoma State, though. I mean, oh, they were right there on the one yard six, line. Six that inches was, away from oh, the playoff. Oh. I mean, it pains me anytime I see Baylor have any kind of success in anything, right. for whatever it's worth. So I, you know, I commiserate with that. But we, Matt Marcus, we got hey, I see you there. Hey, what's up, Joe? No, I like this talk. We gotta, we gotta talk about what K State brought to the media days because I think. Like I've said it before, we're the most solid team. I think bringing back, obviously, we're not going to be talent depth wise, but I think as a unit, just our key guys will be able to carry us to. I'm thinking the twelve. I mean, think I'm thinking Arlington for sure now. Yeah, I 
first off, if you haven't put your mortgage on the over six and a half for K-State wins this year, that would be probably the number one thing. Drive to a state that allows sports gambling. But um, I have my – I really do think we've got a good chance to at least win 10 games this year. I'm, I'm like set on that. Um, this fits a lot of you know what we've done in the past, and I think – Adrian Martinez, you know, is going to be the key here. You know, we have to have strong quarterback play. Um, and if we have that, I think we we have a really good shot. I think the Big 12, I, I don't mean to say it in a negative way, but you look at Oklahoma, I think they're going to be down this year. Um, I think Texas will, you know, they'll they'll have some moments, but they're I don't think they're there. So it's going to be between Baylor and Oklahoma State and us. Um, and I think we got a real good shot. I'm thinking Oklahoma State is really the player. I mean, I I I I downplay Baylor, but I don't I really think they're going to get hurt from how much they lost. But and they're they're lost their running backs. They that their their game last year was all dependent on that zone scheme and those running backs seeing the holes and hitting it. I don't see I don't see them bringing that back. I think Oklahoma State is the team, even with Spencer Sanders being the and we could say they could say the same thing about Adrian Martinez being a turnover machine. I think it's the same thing for Spencer Sanders. Once he's on, he's pretty damn good. And the numbers don't lie. Like the, the offensive line for Nebraska was objectively bullshit. It was so bad. And and I yeah. think you get a guy like Cooper Beebe in front of him and, and all the other guys we have on our O line, like it's it's not going to be a fluke. I think he's legitimately going to be good. He's not going to be having, you know, 30% or 40% of his dropbacks being under pressure or whatever it is. I think Connor knows the number if I'm if I'm being honest. It was 44%, I think he was yeah. pressured, which was most in power 5 by a lot. I'm pretty sure. And, and it was still did have... bottom 15% between FCS and FBS. Yeah, it was it was rough. But he he did have the two worst pass blocking tackles in the country one of them had he i don't know how you achieve this but he had a 0.0 pff pass blocking grade that turner corcoran i think it might have been it was oh. well he he either had a 0.0 or like a 20 which i mean once you get past there we wanted him the, the so bad matters we granted he's so bad granted he's playing way earlier than he should be he's like a redshirt freshman and no nebraska's way. not exactly the mecca of development right now He's got to be a junior at least now. He was a redshirt <laughs> freshman last year. No way. He was in the Kai Thomas class. Well, Kai Thomas would have been only like a true sophomore last year, I thought. Yeah, that's COVID, like a 2019 class. COVID's yeah. weird, man. COVID's weird. We've that's got guys true. who are going to be seventh or eighth year seniors who started in 2017. Mm. I mean, you brought up you brought up the offensive line. I think even the style of play that we play here at K-State is so vastly different than what we that Nebraska did. I think a lot of his play calls aren't going to be a third of them being a quarterback draw where he's going to take those huge hits as a runner. I think the most he'll get on design runs are going to be I mean short side option. I hate to say it, but I think we love it here at K-State. We're going to see a lot of short side options flipping it to Deuce and Maybe a, the occasional read, but I think it's going to be a lot of, a lot of get back there, play action from Deuce on a jet, and chuck it deep to Malik. I think Malik is going to eat 
with the with the style offense we're going to be running. Malik and RJ and Cabe Warner, and I, I think for running back too, we've got DJ Giddens and we've got Anthony Frias. Those guys are going to get some reps too, and that, and that's going to help take the burden off of Deuce. Deuce can have some more flashy moments and offset some of some of the workload with with some of those other guys. I mean, where do you get where do you see Sammy Wheeler fitting into this offense? Because I think uh, was who was we've had three tight ends basically back to back transfer in, and I mean be pivotal pass catchers Briley Moore I mean uh Bebe was a big home run threat but I think Sammy Wheeler he's always shown that he has the potential to be a pass catcher especially that that catch he had Skyler threw it up to him on uh that long what? third down in West Virginia I think yeah. Sammy that was Wheeler a fourth be, down I think was it fourth down yeah I mean yeah, it was like fourth and 12 or something Sammy Wheeler could be that guy that I mean he could be a underrated tight end and maybe be top of the 12 well, not top but i mean the top half of the 12 and tight ends for sure as long as he stays healthy i think he's going to be fine uh You're he, right. he has he has the body to be able to knock guys over and, and catch passes and and fill kind of that travis kelsey role he's obviously not travis kelsey i'm not trying to make that comparison too much but like he he fits more of that role in that he's a good blocker and he's going to catch passes uh, and he can kind of knock some guys over. So I, I think he, he can be a contributor as long as he stays healthy. I'm hoping to see some Connor Fox this year as well. Not That's just because we're him. Yeah. I, I really like him. Uh, but sounds like he's had a lot of injury issues. He's got like one career reception. I think it was against like KU or something like that. So. Yeah, um, I mean, I was, I was excited for Cody Stuffelbeam, but I think he moved to D-end if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was, he was recruited as a tight end, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was like a high – I mean, he played both, and, I mean, everybody wanted him. I mean, Wisconsin came in on him late. Uh, I think a bunch of Purdue. I think a lot of those teams came in on him as a as a just pure athlete. But I think he he turned into a little thick boy, especially in that video where he was talking about the, the NIL – Manhattan NIL club. I mean, that dude is looking solid. He's looking thick nasty. Things you love to see. Things you love to see. I guess I'm curious kind of to, to pivot the topic a little bit. So Gundy was saying, obviously, like Bedlam is done in a year to two years, at like maximum. So do we see Bedlam get reignited, kind of like KU and Mizzou are reigniting the basketball rivalry? Do we see the UT A&M reignition there a little bit? Or, or do we see it just die completely? And then... To, to tack onto that question, if it dies completely, I don't think it's Iowa State, but who is Oklahoma State's new rival? Uh, I'll, I'll get in here first. I mean, what's stopping them from um, getting a – I mean, they don't know – your Mark talked about it. He doesn't know how the scheduling is going to work in the future, but what's stopping them to having a permanent rival similar to how a cross-conference rival like – Iowa State and Iowa does where they play Bedlam every year. It's just that's just a set uh, out of conference schedule. And yeah, then, and Florida if State, they do, Florida, Clemson, yeah. South Carolina, like that exists in other in other areas. Why can't it, that exist here? Yeah, I mean, if they do that, I think that would probably be the best for them. But if they don't have uh, Bedlam every year, my thought would be that they would have like. Texas Tech be their main rival. I don't don't I don't know. I don't know who would there be their main rival. Not that's, where, 
That's where my head went was Texas Tech. Either that or, I guess, us. We're probably the second best option there, honestly. Like, But I think there's a pretty sizable gap between us and Tech. I feel like well, Tech when and Oklahoma State could be natural rivals. Yeah, when I think about teams that are more similar just culturally to K-State, I think about Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas Tech. Like, There's yep. a lot of overlap between West Texas, Western Oklahoma, just the ag, the ag land grant, all that stuff. And so I could see Texas Tech probably being the most natural rival there as opposed to Iowa State. I mean, like I get the Big 8 connection, but I think Texas Tech makes more sense for Oklahoma State in 2022 than Iowa State does. Let's not let's not sleep on the fact that I mean Bedlam, like he said, Bedlam's going to end in two years. But let's not sleep on the fact that Colorado might be coming in. Colorado's Ooh, gonna yeah. be looking for a rival, and I could see Oklahoma State being that rival. Um, I Colorado is the the benefactor, I think, joining the twelve, bringing them back. I think they're gonna they're gonna actually prosper from coming in, um, and I think a team like. Utah, if they ever joined, and they're not too big for their britches, that they're going to fucking plummet. Yeah, and, and Colorado and Utah have some sort of a rivalry, both, basically just because they both came into the Pac-12 at the same time. And geographically, like, Utah, their campus is probably eight hours from Boulder, if not nine hours from Boulder. So, like, theoretically, you would think that Colorado's closest rival in the Pac-12 is Utah, but Actually, like Texas Tech, K-State, and maybe even Oklahoma, probably not Oklahoma State, but at least K-State and Tech are closer to Boulder than Utah is. Campus-wise, at least. Campus-wise. I mean, I I personally think, especially with, you know, some of these pieces, that they're going to figure out a way to play Bedlam every year. Um, I... I <sighs> it's hard to think right now just because we, you know, you, you didn't think three weeks ago that you'd have two teams in California joining the big 10 and kind of ruining some stuff. But true. Um, you know, that's, that is a natural rivalry that, you know, you have two main universities in that state that play big time football. And I think there's going to be a lot of political pieces of the puzzle, whether it works out or not, you know, is what it is. But, um, I, I'm I'm kind of resigned to the fact that we're going to get to a point here in college football where the rivalry piece, unfortunately, isn't as important as it used to be. Um, you know, I I always think with you know K State, you know, when I was in school, I mean, I Missouri was always one of those games that I, I fucking hated Missouri for some reason. I don't know, but you know, I I always because they were bad slave experience. state. <laughs> I always had bad experiences going to Missouri. You know, and and. Um, you know, I also felt a little bit like that with Colorado. Um, you know, I don't necessarily feel, I mean, I hate KU, but you know, and I think for these States that, you know, especially Oklahoma, the two main state, you know, the two main schools that play big time football, I think they're going to find a way to figure it out. Um, but you never know. I mean, it's, it's really like super annoying, I think as a fan, um, that it could be like that where they don't, I mean, I think a last year's game, that was one of the best football games of the year. Um, who knows? I, don't, I, I said it um, on the main, the main podcast that we just did the live chat. I think regional, regional, local rivalries are a little overrated. Um, and I think like getting out 
to like an Arizona State, that could be that would be more fun than constantly beating the hell out of KU. But that's just my opinion. But I mean, constantly seeing different teams and having those new sparks, I think is more fun. And that's why I'm not opposed to like giant conferences where you're constantly bringing in new members and having a different look to to the conference instead of the dry old uh, original eight. Let's play them every year. Whoa. I have something that sort of goes off chef, not totally as in like, I still like those regional rivalries that are already there. But as far as like Oak state and who their rival will, rival will be, I think it's like vastly just going to depend on who's good upcoming and who's on the same level as them. Because like, if Baylor keeps up, keeps this up once OU is out of the conference, I think it has to be them. But if Baylor, like if Dave Aranda moves on to some other job and Baylor comes back down to what they have been like most of the time, like bottom half of the conference, then like why would they care? Making solid hires. It's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm true. so sorry for interrupting. They have no, money. Oh, you're good. They have money. They're, going, they're going to make solid hires for sure. But like, I, mean, I just feel like it depends so even more on not just like who's the closest school, but who's going to be good with them and why are they like, who are they going to care? Cause I don't think our rivalry with Iowa state would have gotten this heated or big. If they still sucked as bad, like we wouldn't give a shit. And, and that that's true. I think the, but I think the spark of new life, seeing a new team, like I'm telling you guys, when you guys go to Nippert stadium in Cincinnati, you got the the liveliness from just seeing a different team like playing Kansas State at in Cincinnati is going to be insane. They're going to be so – they're not going to know that, that K-State was the worst team or whatever or just just playing a team that they're new to seeing is just – brings so much life to a stadium, and that could be almost as um, exhilarating as a rival, in my opinion. I And I wouldn't say that, like – I would say that there's there's something to be said about if you have a recent history with one of those schools. So think about Oregon. Like, they absolutely stomped us in 2012, and I saw it firsthand, and it fucking sucked. But being able to see DeAnthony Thomas run all over our, our, you know, what should have been a national championship team, that stings for me, and I would love to just stomp Oregon if they were in our conference on an annual basis or at least a semi-annual basis if, if they're in, you know, pods, divisions, whatever, however it would end up working out. But I think about also like West Virginia. We don't really have them as a rival, but when I think about them in a basketball sense, I think about Bob Huggins and I think about how he left us for West Virginia, which is his alma mater. But I see that as a rivalry in basketball and, and maybe I'm one of the only ones to see that, but we would have the Bob Huggins Bowl with Cincinnati and West Virginia at that point, like once Cincinnati joins the conference. So I think there's something to be said for different, weird, quirky things, you know, culminating in a rivalry, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I'm, no, I was going to say, I think we're completely forgetting about BYU, too, and how completely, oh God. you know, how completely different that type of environment is to – I mean, just a game day, I think of football, I think of basketball. I mean, I BYU is one of those schools that has a lot of history. And as a K-State fan, it would be super cool to go, you know, to a game at, you know, their 
their their football stadium or you know their basketball arena fits like twenty thousand Marriott people. Center, yeah, yeah, you know, They're I mean, nuts, yeah, and that's a completely like a complete one eighty in terms of an experience for us. But it's one of those cool things that you know, I mean, we were talking about Utah earlier. If Utah joins, I mean, Utah and BYU, that's going to be one of the premier rivalry games in the Big Twelve because every year it's you know, it is what it is. So, um, that's, that's one that I would be super excited to see as a fan of the big 12 is those two schools being in the conference. Yeah. And I'm, but I mean, in terms of you're, you're going to find a storyline no matter what, but it's when you're playing somebody new, the storylines are easy. I mean, that's just, just pure excitement seeing a team across from you that you've never seen before in Bill Snyder or on the road. I mean, we had to, I mean, playing KU, I mean, I'm not there, so I'm not seeing a KU fan in my face every other day or every day. But when you, when you see a, when you see the game and you have to get excited for Les Miles saying, who is K-State? That's, you have to find that. You have to find that. You don't, it's just not something that's brand new right there that, that gets you excited. I will say it was it was really cool um, going to Amon G. Carter Stadium in in Fort Worth that first year when when K-State was obviously super, super good. But as a student making the trip down to Fort Worth, being in that stadium for the inaugural game against against TCU as a conference rival like that was really cool to experience. It was also super cool to experience West Virginia in a night game against Geno Smith when when, you know, Geno Smith and, and Colin Klein were two essentially Heisman front runners at that point going up head to head and, and, and not knowing what the outcome was going to be for a top 25 matchup there. But there's something to be said for, for kind of the newness factor to your point. Like it, it's really cool to think about when K-State goes to, to play Cincinnati for the first time away or, or when K-State goes to play BYU at the Marriott center in basketball, like there, there's going to be some cool, it, it's going to be, it's going to make for some cool road trips. Let's, let's leave it at that. Think about bringing those kids to Disneyland or di- was it Disney World when we go play UCF? You take a long, <laughs> like a five day week to leading up to the game. You go to Orlando, you hang out with uh, Mickey Mouse and friends, and then you go watch us stomp a mud hole in the Golden Knights. I mean, that is just, perfect. Just think Nick's about going to bring his little baby. They're going to be go. flying on the the freaking Dumbo ride. And then he's going to be dreaming of what what uh, Avery Johnson is going to be throwing touchdowns to to Joshua Josh Manning. Manning. Yeah, well, think about all the purple that's going to start like once we start playing UCF. Think about oh. all the purple that's going to pop up in Florida, and then exactly. that's going to start trickling to high schools and then recruiting, and then it's just a snowball effect. I mean, especially. This, this... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I think of the Stanford game, you know, what, five, six years ago. Right. And, we, you know, you, we brought 15,000 people, whatever. I mean, I can't, I'm trying to remember the number, but, you know, we filled that side of the stadium. 15 and million? 
No, not 15 mil. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Memphis was 15 million. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Matt, you and I were, you and I were there. Like it was, yeah. was a shit ton of people there. It was fucking awesome. And so it, those are, especially for the first, you know, couple of years as we get these new teams in the conference. I mean, those are going to be those types of road trips that we're going to see a ton of K-State fans and getting purple out there. It's going to be important to do that because we almost feel like, you know, maybe we have to prove ourselves a little bit on the West Coast, but um, yeah, I think of that Stanford game, like I would love to go to Washington. I'd love to go to Oregon. You know, those are type of games that as a fan would be amazing to see, but be able to represent your school as a fan would be, would be awesome. Well, even then, like even the national media, that's our brand is when we go bowl bowling, we bring fans and just national media just says, Oh yeah. K state, they're bringing their fans. They're bringing the state. You know, we, we, we as a fan base need to live up to that and exceed that expectation when when we start traveling to these new teams. The article in The Athletic a week ago referenced that too, Nick. Like they were talking about Arizona and Arizona State fans being excited about having a K-State or an Iowa State because they travel well, because because fans in the Pac-12 don't necessarily travel as well as fans in the Big 12 do. So that's that's an exciting prospect for them. It's going to bring money to their local economy. They're going to have people hanging out in Tempe, hanging out in Tucson. Like my dad lives in Scottsdale, but I've never been to an Arizona State game. But if K-State goes down there and, and is it's a conference rival, I would love to see a game there. And, and that would yeah. that would bring money to the local economy. Exactly. And then it just brings the nostalgia back, you know, going to, going to play Arizona State way back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. So. And, and, and think of it for – and think of it – I mean, I'm not there, but think of how Manhattan's going to be when uh, – I mean, Arizona State is a humongous school. UCF is like one of the biggest schools there is. I don't I, – they're obviously T-shirt fans, but, you know, they're going to bring people that have never seen Manhattan. They're going to want to go. And MHK is going to have to get some direct flights to Orlando or something here soon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but I I just think I just think the the expansion is only a good thing in my opinion. I, I think it's I think so all too. good. I think the teams we're getting by far what we've got so far, adding the four and then the new expanded two point I I think the new commish is gonna he's gonna do it well. I I I firmly believe he's gonna do well with the new new teams he's gonna bring in. Yeah, I think that they asked, we asked that, well, Scott asked that in the in the original pod about building the brand and, and making it, and he, and you're, well, uh, Mark said, I said, was, I said social media, but I mean, sure. other, like, I, I just, I have a firm belief that he's going to go out, that's why he's a outside perspective looking in on college athletics, and I think that's what the sport needs is an outside perspective to gain new uh, fans and eyeballs and stuff like that. I mean, I think he kind of has to, right? Like, Oh, for sure. I, because if we get left out to dry, I mean, it's on him, you know, the the way that it, it looks. And so, you know, we have to be on the offense, you know, on the offensive now, basically every day trying to figure out how can we keep the big 12 together because one, one wrong move. And it seems like, you know, the dominoes are going to fall and then we need to make sure that we're in the running to be somewhere. Right. Um, so he has, he, I mean, he's got to, got to show up for the league. 
I think one of his most important things that he has to do is bringing the, I mean, it's important in just the landscape of making it equal because we're obviously seeing that the Big Ten and the SEC are trying to become the two main conferences. So if we don't explain, expand the playoff, which I think is more important because, I mean, that's really what the game is all about is winning the national championship. And if the two mega conference and it's still four, I mean, the ACC, whatever they have left, and the Big 12, whatever we have left, I think they're going to get shortchanged if it doesn't expand. And I oh, think sure. no, it, even – sorry. No, go ahead. I was just listening to five This years, is a free-for-all for a reason, so please, please, <laughs> even yeah, chime in. I was listening. I think it was like the Yahoo College Sports, whatever the fuck their podcast is called. They're even talking about how, like, even if it expands to 12, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC are going to – or ES, whoever the fuck running it is going to make sure that at least eight teams in total – from the SEC and Big Ten, get eight of the twelve spots. But and I think gotta, that's very think possible. It. But you have you to, you have to, it, you have to. We're expanding coast to coast, and we're trying to get the best teams possible. And if we're all on an even playing field, I think we'll be able to get our top teams in there. And once you're at that point in football, anybody could beat anybody. And then if if let's say doomsday scenario for the SEC and the Big Ten, a Big Twelve team were to get all the way through that and survive and win it, dude, it's it's going to put a monkey wrench in that whole scheme. But they're really the only thing that matters to them, which the media is talking about, is the money. But when it comes to playing football, there's no reason why the Big Twelve should be out of it, especially in basketball and in football. The talent is going to be there no matter what. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think the other thing we can't also forget about is there's an ACC and a Pac-10, I guess, if we're if we're going to call it that, that are also going to have teams that are going to have some bargaining power there. Like we we should form not an alliance or a loose partnership, but you know we should have some sort of bargaining power, knowing that there are two other conferences in the quote unquote Power Five that are not going to necessarily have any say in what the playoff experience is going to look like. But we need to be able to use that to our advantage if we can. Like, there are going to be teams in those two conferences that are left over that are going to want some sort of ability to have a shot at a playoff. And if we lock them out completely because the Big Ten and the SEC are doing that, like, they're probably going to find whoever is going to be the next best ally in that to get their shot at whatever that championship would look like. And that's probably the Big 12. So I don't know if that means bringing on those teams from the ACC and the Pac 10. Or if it means that we form some sort of loose partnership, quote unquote, uh, to get them on board. But I don't know. I'm kind of curious people's thoughts on that. I think the loose partnerships are, I mean, that's that's asking for nothing but backstabbing and trouble. You're not going to get anywhere with these loose partnerships. Unless the unless there's well, a grant of rights. It hasn't paid out. So. Yeah, unless there's a grant of rights, it's nothing but um, lip service. Sounding like my grandpa, chef. Lip service. <laughs> that, was his favorite, that was his favorite phrase is lip service. Oh, it's just lip service. I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, so the ACC, they have a, a grant of rights until what, 2025, something like that. 2035 or 2036. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. it's like an extra 12 or 13 years. They're getting screwed by ESPN so hard for the next like 14, 13 years 
that it's it's they're getting a deal. ESPN is not going to try to do anything to break up the ACC to get them in the SEC where they're going to have to pay those teams more money. They're they're loving that the ACC is stuck together, paying them only twenty million dollars a year to to play football and have all the eyeballs on them in the ACC. They're loving that. They're not going which, to try to break that up at, at all. Which is also why I wouldn't let any credibility to any kind of rumor that's saying that ESPN is trying to get Florida State, Miami, North Carolina into the SEC or whatever conference. Right. Because and they I, have the sweetest possible deal. Because they signed like a fucking 20-year deal in 2016 or 2017, if I remember and right. That's why, you you, that's why you can't put anything to the Pac-10 going over there. Because why would they want to pay the Pac-10 money to put on to their their contact when they're a Fox, they're Fox affiliated. They they still yeah. have to go through their their thing before they can even do this loose partnership. And the the Fox and uh Pac-10, they're trying to get a big, they're trying to get as big as possible so they don't have um Oregon runoff and uh Washington runoff and all the other cornerstone teams that we're trying to get into the Pac-12, they're, I mean, the Big 12, they're not trying to do that. They're they're trying to make as much money as possible. And joining the ACC in a loose partnership to get $10 million to get thrown on the ACC network is not, not how it's going to happen. That's not going to save anybody. Yeah, they extended the grant of rights in 2016 for 20 years, which is insane to me. But well, like the only thing where that the only reason or or way that could fall apart is if every team in the conference bails and then the conference essentially dissembles, which is what we were talking about last year, where if teams left for the Pac-12 or Big Ten or whatever, like in the Big 12 ceased to become an entity at that point, that's right. where we were like, OK, that at that point, there's no buyouts, there's no penalties or fees that you're having to pay and so that would be the only situation i see where the acc would just like cease to exist at this point well but i think someone else wanted to chat there well even if like florida state miami north carolina those teams want to leave they better have a damn good lawyer to go through that buyout uh through that contract because just from the just from the twitter sphere that i've been reading it's insane on what they have to go through with lawyers in order to legally get out of that contract. Yeah. Right. I, it's, it's the football as we know it is over. I think it's, it's, business. it's done. It's, all business, it's all business right now. And which is, and the only thing that it bothers me is that they're, they're doing it to, I don't know, to, they're not unleveling the playing field because the, 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 the playing field has never been level. So, Oh no, God, no. What, what makes me nervous is where does, if, if they don't expand the playoff and it's just basically two power conferences like the AFC and NFC, what are the kids playing for? That's the only thing that gets me. Well, that's my biggest thing is like, what's the point of, the other, well, fucking, what's the point of the other non what forty teams? Yeah, like what's the point of any of it if like there's not a chance for your team to get to a national title some way somehow, even if it's the slimmest percent chance you can get there? And I mean, I mean like, that's yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Nick. Uh, even with like Nebraska, Colorado, Mizzou, Texas A&M leaving, I think that kind of started the whole 
obviously realignment, but it this whole business, like the shift of the business, started with an NAI NIL. I will hands down say that it all started with the NIL. You know, people the players getting paid, and then the it just shifted to the business mindset of college football, what it is now. There were some more. There, I, I would say that realignment really, truly started, I feel like, more in the early 2000s when, like, Miami left the Big mm, East to join yeah, the ACC. That's right. But, um, but it wasn't the death of the Big big, East was though. kind of like the blow. But the death of the Big East was really what set off a lot of this stuff because you that had, you had totally all of those that. teams leaving and, and kind of figuring out where they were going to end up, and the Big East was essentially dead. And then got resurrected as a basketball conference three years later, the, uh, four years later. The Requiem was. of the Big East is a great 30 for 30, by the way. It, it is. Ooh, it that, is. Yeah, I need to watch that. I mean, sure. I, what I would also say, if you think about a year ago and you thought about the strength of the Big 12, there are not many people that have ever expected that a Texas and Oklahoma, who you would consider to be the two bigger names of the Big 12 would move to a conference where they would not be really that, at least in the beginning. And money talks, and especially, I, I mean, in this type of situation. And so what we saw, you know, what we've seen in the past couple of weeks is that money talks. And at the end of the day, you have, I mean, I, I'm completely convinced that, you know, the rumors of teams leaving the ACC to go to, you know, the Big Ten or the SEC, money talks. And if there's a $200 million buyout or however much it would be to leave a conference, you know, with a grant of rights, they're going to be making 50 or $60 million more a year going to that conference than they probably would be now. I mean, that that's, yeah. you know, and so there's a way to get out of it. Um, I, I think for the ACC, you know, 2036 is, you know, 20 years from now or, you know, however many years from now, but money talks, there's any potential of any of those teams leaving. I, I am convinced of that. But the, the thing, the thing that always gets me is like you said, Texas and Oklahoma going to what's, I'm guaranteeing they're going to be in the, the SEC West with Bama and all them. They're never going to win anything, but like you said, they're securing the bag. They're making, they're making money now that they'll never, that they'll never lose because they'll be able to upgrade facilities just on TV contract. They're not going to be able to, that's a hundred. They said projection wise by like 2029, they're going to be making $126 million a year just on TV contract per team. So, I mean, it's it's baffling to me. Why wouldn't you do it? But your fans, they have to be so dedicated to not... They're going to be like what a good K-State fan base is. Like, 8-4, and four, we're solid with that. We're okay. We're going to keep coming back to next year. Always Bro. coming back. And eight, that's what... 8-4... Eight and four. I'm looking at the standings right now. SEC West. Eight and four will get you fourths. Exactly. In front of, Miss, in front of Mississippi State, behind Arkansas. And eight and four is what you're going to end up being. But there's always going to be next year, and you're always you have the money to upgrade facilities, recruit players, do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be a next year for the fans. But like if you if Texas stayed in the Big Twelve, Oklahoma stayed in the Big Twelve, you're getting wins you're getting trophies your fans are happy 
and you're not getting skull drugged by Alabama and LSU and all that every year. How much, I mean, this is what I kind of want to ask off of that tangent I just went on. If K-State is a 12-1 and team every year for the next decade, and then we go to a different conference where we're 8-4, and we're 7-5, and would that change your way you watch the team, or are you always going to ride with them no matter what? I want to say I want to ride, but I think I'd be a little distraught just in the sense of I'm so used to winning. And then I get to another conference. It's like, well, what the crap? Let's get a new coach. See if that works. Oh, doesn't work again. Cool. Let's get a new coach. Cause I want to get back to winning. And that's just me. I, I also look at it out, outside of the football spectrum too. Um, because I, I mean, I love basketball. I love watching college basketball. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking the same thing. Like if K-State went, you know, 29 and three and whatever, and this conference and went to a new one and they were like 19 and 15 or, you know, really shitty, I would be kind of pissed. You know, I, I, I look at it from more of a basketball sense, but I, I actually kind of agree. I think, um, you know, I would still be a fan, but it's also like, you know, I want to win. I want to see the team win. And it, that's what it always, that's why I, I brought it up earlier about like, it's all about winning. So if you're, if you're going to a conference at, this is as a fan, I mean, you're going to a conference where you're basically destining yourself to not being a winner anymore. Why, why am I watching? I mean, as a K-State fan, I just do it anyway, because I love the team. We Since I was a kid, we've won two big 12 titles i really remember one perfectly and the other one i was 13 so i mean i kind of remember it but i've never been a sustained super winner and if i lose that would i be the same fan i am because i mean here in columbus if the buckeyes were to fall off to where they're seven and five every year I guarantee you a lot of Columbus would burn down and nobody would be Buckeye fans anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Talk about fair weather fans. I know, I know a couple of Buckeyes fans where that would be the case. But that's the standard, though, and that's been set since college football started because Ohio State was one and still is one of the universities to be great at football. Top tier. I mean, Cole, Cole, you, Matt, and I have all lived in Austin or live in Austin. Like, we know how Texas fans are fair weather fans, and it's been the same thing for them. It's just like it's complacency. They have complete complacency when they are not good at football, and they just don't give a shit. And it's laughable. Absolutely. Yeah. And now I will, like, not play devil's advocate, but I think it would also depend on what conference we were into because – Honestly, I, I kind of have – I like the Big Ten. I like the schools in the Big Ten. I feel like it's a conference that, you know, <laughs> it, it would be a really fun conference to be in. And so if I was going 7-5 and five in the Big Ten, but we were playing, like, teams from a Midwestern region that we have the capability to go to games and whatnot, I'm kind of like, okay, I would deal with Purdue. that more than the SEC West, for example. Wait, so USC and UCLA are in the Midwest now? Is that what you're well, me? well, no, but I'm thinking of like, like I'm thinking like Minnesota, Iowa, um, you know, Wisconsin. I mean, I for some reason I have a huge 
hate for Wisconsin. I would love to have them as a rival. Um, oh, well, it's you because know. of 2010 and 2009 <laughs> yeah. or whatever, whatever those yeah. years were where they fucking stomped us in the tournament. But I, I, I guess where I'm going is, you know, if we go 12 and one in the big 12 and then we move to another conference when we went seven and five, I would probably deal with it a little bit better depending on what conference we were actually in um, just based off of the other schools that are in it. But you're always going to have that bitter resentment of like, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this to ourselves where we're not winning anymore? Because winning is, because winning is really the whole point of what we're doing. I get up on, I get up on Saturday morning and I'm like, I want to win today because my day will be a thousand times better if we win. If we don't win, it's I'm going to be pissed the rest of right. the day. That's so do you, th- Chef, do you think OU and Texas will feel that way once they get to the SEC and realize? I think OU I mean, will. Even... I think Texas is such a delusional fan base, and it's. I think it's it's so weird what their fan base is because they did have success. They were at the top for a while. But, I mean, after 10 years, um, you kind of have to come to grips with reality. And no matter what the recruiting is, it's a stigma with Texas fans and the, the program they have that they're not a top echelon brand. It's like Nebraska. Nebraska is the same way. that They're, they're just going to hide it like every other team in the Big Ten SEC does, like oh, we're in the Big Ten, we're in the SEC, like, look what we have to deal with every year, and they'll just hide those L's under the excuse that they're in a tougher conference, like every other team does. I I think think Oklahoma has a lot. slightly different. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, I was just going to say, I think Oklahoma has a lot more to lose um, with the move. I think Texas is content with what they have, and, you know, Oklahoma is a team that's consistently made the playoff and right. you know, they can consi- they've had consistency in winning double digit games a year. I, I think they have a lot more to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. My, my argument would be a little different in that. I, if we're comparing Texas and Nebraska, I think Texas, Texas has Arch Manning. They're still getting five-star, four-star guys. I, I'm not saying that Nebraska is not necessarily getting five-star guys, but they're not getting Arch Manning. They weren't even in contention for him. And their recruiting base, when they moved from the Big 12 to the Big 10, completely shifted because they relied so much on Oklahoma, Texas, yes. like like the Great Plains talent that they were able to get a hold of. And when they lost that recruiting footprint – they're recruiting tanked. And so now K-State and Nebraska are peers when it comes to recruiting, whereas I wouldn't say that K-State and Texas have ever been peers with recruiting. They're not today. They weren't 10 years ago, and they're not going to be for the next 10 years at least. And so I would say Nebraska's declined from a recruiting standpoint because of the conference move that they made, whereas Texas, like, it might be a lateral move from a conference standpoint as far as recruiting is concerned, because they're still going to continue to be able to con- to attract that top talent, the fours and five-star guys that they've been getting over the last few years um, or the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years that they've been able to get those guys. Um, whereas Nebraska, they've tanked from a recruiting standpoint. We, we ha- if we're going to talk recruiting, I think we need to get balls deep into it because my, my recruiting philosophy when it comes to like K State recruiting, as opposed to what Texas does, what um, Alabama does, what Ohio State does, 
I think I, I, there's a misconception that we just can't get those guys. And I don't, I don't see how that's a thing because if we're on TV, if we're a national brand, if we do all those things, what, what's stopping us? Because Alabama went through, uh, I don't even know. Once Bear Bryant left, they went on a hiatus where Alabama wasn't recruiting like that. Yeah, they, they had doldrums for probably 15 to 20 years, I would that's say. That's what I'm saying. So what? Yeah. what's what's the turnaround? Is it winning? Is it what? what is it? Because if Kansas State were to, let's say, by some miracle chance, we, we're recruiting decent, but let's say for some miracle chance that we win the Big 12 four years in a row, we're 11 and 2, 12 and 1, 12 and 1, 11 and 2. Recruits want to go where they're winning. If we're winning the Big 12 every year, there's no reason why we can't be recruiting the best players in Kansas, the best players in Missouri, some of the best players in Texas, and those are all four or five star kids. What's stopping us from doing that? Is it all winning or is it what is it? Because it, it can't just be brand because, and it's don't give me that, it can't get the kids to Manhattan shit because have you ever tried to fly to Tuscaloosa? That shit's fucking impossible. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's winning, and that winning becomes a brand, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Alabama has become a brand because they won. Um, at least that's my opinion. I think of, um, you know, Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State's a, a, you know, they do a great job with branding, but they win. You know, most years they win. And so I'm, I, I believe K-State, you know, win 10, 11 games every year and you're on national TV and you're winning football games, that's going to consistently help with recruiting that's to build cool. the brand. Like before Nick Saban, Alabama was just another team to me. Like I never, I mean, I was younger, obviously, because Nick Saban's been there a while now, but I mean, I don't know. Just before him, you know, it was just some another team in the SEC, SEC team. That was yeah. Average. I mean, it's I. You Alabama know who I thought not... of when when I thought of Alabama in two thousand five? It was Brody Croyle. Exactly, exactly. It was Brody like, Croyle, gross. because he was a shitty Chiefs quarterback. But we have to. And, and Alabama's not the most talent rich state. I mean, there's like four hundred thousand people that live in the entire state. So the. They're they're not the most talent rich state, and I, I get they're next to Georgia. I get that they're next to uh, Tennessee Louisiana. and near Florida and all that stuff, but it's not a it's not like it's a stone throws away. It's it's you got to get these kids there, and but they're a brand because they win. And I think Oklahoma's the same way. Oklahoma went through a dark dark time when I mean when K State was running shit, but it. I don't know where it turned for Bill. Maybe it was the JUCO thing, but we just stopped recruiting at an elite level. And it, yeah, it, it between, it's like, between it's Switzer like, and Stoops, Oklahoma was completely irrelevant. Exactly. And I think it's, we, I think it's teams turn the switch off themselves. Um, like, I don't, I'm trying to think of an example, but like um, Virginia Tech, for example, I lived in Virginia for a while. They recruited like, crazy when like michael vick was there they recruited those kids from the hampton roads area and all that stuff like crazy but now they just i don't know for some reason turned the switch off and they don't recruit anymore and it's the well, same they don't, thing with case they don't matter anymore because they're in the it, acc and like no one watches the acc unless you're 
I guess, in the East Coast, which there are a lot of people there. (laughs) Well, think about Clemson, right? Like Clemson school that, you know, before Swinney, like people know where Clemson is. They have some good years, but people aren't wanting to play at, you know, five-star athletes are not wanting to play at Clemson. And you win, you win a national title, you get a brand. You have a brand that I, if I want to win, I want to play college football and try and win a national championship. I go here. Um, Yeah. So now the thing with K-State, I I truly believe the facilities that we have and we're going to have are a huge, huge recruiting win for us and is going to help. For sure. We have a recruiting, we have a staff that I believe actually cares about recruiting um, you know, to the fullest ability. And, you know, with Klein, the thing, you know, a lot of people are playing up the bowl game and I, I thought it was a, a great coach game, but if it is a little bit more of an exciting offense, that's going to be huge for something that we've struggled with in the past of maybe recruiting really good wide receivers or, you know, having some, some skill athletes outside of Deuce, of course, like, you Already know, made off. Um, but I yeah. think the, you know, there's, there's things there. I mean, recruiting Adrian Martinez and Avery Johnson. I mean, you, you listen to Avery Johnson's interviews that he had after he committed, they didn't even start conversations. It sounded like until December. And that was, that was after Messingham was let go and, and Klein became the offensive coordinator. And, and even in an interim capacity, whether he's quarterbacks coach or, or interim OC, whatever it was, he was the guy that initiated that contact, whether it was him or or Taylor Brad or whoever, but he was the guy that kind of initiated the contact and and carried that that recruiting relationship forward from what I understand. And and Connor and and Ace, you probably have more to say on that than I would, but hearing about those relationships that Klein was able to build, that has paid off significantly for guys like Adrian um, and, and guys like Avery. Um, well, one thing that I did hear about Avery is that before we got Klein in as the permanent OC and before we switched up the offense, we probably weren't even going to finish in the top three for Avery, but Klein, Klein made that much of a difference in the recruitment and not just, you know, being Colin Klein, but also in his offensive philosophies. Um, but to kind of circle back to what we were talking about with, uh, like branding, I, I think that everything revolves around at least a, a, the higher echelon of college football, either you are an established brand or you're really good at marketing yourself. And I think that's one big area that Bill Snyder never really followed through on yes. was ha- having a great media relationship because he's notorious for, you know, hating the media, not wanting to do media interactions. But if you, if you're Bill Snyder back in the nineties and, you know, you market K-State more effectively as the head coach and you push your players uh, in the media more and try to garner more media attention for yourself, then maybe K-State sticks around as a brand and has more staying power as a brand than it does right now because Climate and company are effectively working from square one with the exception of college football fanatics who know K-State's history, because a lot of like kids in the younger generation right now, they don't even know that K-State won a Big 12 title in the last like 10 or 11 years. They think that K-State is just a perennially 
average team that wins like seven games a year. And they don't know that K-State's won two Big 12 titles in this century. So I think I think that is a that's a very good point. But with the branding, like you said, I think NIL is the what's going to help the most with that. Yep. Branding, branding yourself and having the opportunity in a community like Manhattan um, where you're the top dog. I think that's where I think getting kids that could be local for sure. But it's not like it's a, not outside of a, it's a small market, but I mean, so is, so is Tuscaloosa. So, I mean, if we get, you can brand these kids and I think that would help from our, our team. Like you said, Bill Snyder never did that. And if NIL happened when he was around, we would really be screwed because he probably wouldn't even let them have deals. So, I mean, getting climbing to evolve with this NIL, I don't know how much, obviously they can't really help with that but i mean wink wink nudge nudge they're they're getting deals for these kids i think the nil market levels the playing field for everybody if we I got think, yeah go I ahead agree. oh i'm just saying the the manhattan nil club i think really took off in the sense of being it for the players and being you know having the players ready readily accessible and I think that's what the players, I think, wanted was just to ha- be able to be uh, accessible to the fans. And I think that's what the fans really wanted was just to interact with the players right. more. And I, put, I, think, I think the NIL club is more of a like a, a team thing. I mean, they're all getting a small. Yeah, that's small well, still. Everyone yeah, yeah. Them. But I think if we're getting these big time players like Avery, like uh, let's insert any five star, insert any four star kid. I think we we have to pony up, and I think they they could be successful here, just like they could be successful anywhere if we get the right guys to back some car dealership to back these kids. There's no reason why if that's what they're looking for to get paid right up front. I mean, there's no reason why we can't do it. But and I think they are. Like all, I think even, they are ponying up. Like w- right. if you go, if you go back to what I was saying on the Bosco's Boys Pod when I did the Q and A, like I think NIL has, if anything, it's probably decreased the amount of parity that there is mm-hmm. between between you know the Texas and Oklahoma's and the K States and the Okie States. Like you have more parity there now, where you've got the same boosters, you've got the same alumni, you've got the ability to kind of pay up and pony up. To your point, like. Where I, if if we aren't able to pony up what Oregon and Washington are able to pony up, we're not getting Avery Johnson. Full stop. Nope. But full I stop. think also, but I think also recruiting freshmen with NIL is different than I'm thinking like established guys, like transfer portal guys that are looking to get paid. Maybe they're not going to be um, high NFL draft picks, but they can make. They're not going to make, they're going to be practice squad guys in the NFL, but they're good college players. They can make a million dollars right now and from NIL or whatever, or $800,000 from NIL. And we get them in the, that's where I think it should be deserved. It's the Nigel Back equivalent. Yeah, exactly. I think it should be deserved for players in the portal that are established (laughs) players. Because a true freshman, let's say Avery Johnson is legit. But he doesn't play for he doesn't play a full season for two years. Why would I? Why would a booster be paying a kid 
X amount of dollars to just sit on the bench. I know he brings a lot of excitement, but his freshman year, if he's not playing or his uh, redshirt freshman season, he's still only playing like four or five games and he's not the full-time starter. Why is a booster going to pay him that when they should be paying established guys that are in the portal that are looking to make some cash that are legit players that could make us better? That's you have to I view think. it like an investment. You ha- you have to view it like an investment. I mean, I'm I'm going to invest now in gold probably because there's a recession coming. I'm not going to invest in you know the hottest next big thing that's coming on the stock market. You kind of have to think about nil in the same regard. Where right. if you if that's you true. think Arch Manning is going to be the next big thing and you're willing to sit on that for two or three years if you're the University of Texas, like you're viewing that as an investment that's going to have payoff because whatever you are doing to then build that brand and help that player out is going to then pay dividends for you on the back end is, is your hope. I would view it as, as an investment long-term. In but regard. I just think, I just think these investors are going to look um, wearily at it. Like a the guy from Texas. Now he totally. was at Ohio state getting paid a million dollars by a car dealership here in Ohio just for him to leave and they paid him for nothing so i mean that's where i'm that's what i'm thinking like a true freshman that has the the ability to transfer on a dime to wherever he wants you might even you might be even paying a kid just to get outbid like that's insane to me that's the only thing that scares me about this nil i think the kids deserve to get paid but like um brett yourmark said today at the big 12 media days there has to be rail guards on it whatever the quote he said because no i agree because quinn ewers getting paid a million dollars to just up and leave to go to the university of texas just to get out uh just to get uh up up what's the word i'm looking for i don't even know just to get taking his job by arch manning the next year that shit's crazy but every investment's going to have its risks, right? Like if, if you invest true. in the stock market to that point, like you, you are sometimes you're going to pay off and sometimes it's not. And you have to take that risk as an investor. And, and I, I kind of want to bring you back to Connor's point a little bit of like, I, I love what Bill Snyder was able to do in 2.0 through 2014, I would say. But once 2015 hit, I, I really do feel like the landscape of college sports and where everything is right now, we didn't really capitalize the way we should have on the talent and the guys that we should have been able to recruit and bring into the program after 2012 through 2014, when we had Tyler Lockett, when we had all those guys, Chris Harper, Arthur Brown, Colin Klein, like I think it did set our program back a little bit and it sucks to say that, but have we had someone who was a little bit more open to the media and open to you know, some of, you know, some of the camaraderie and I don't know, just promoting the program the way that Clemson or Florida State did at that point in time. Florida State's probably not a good example because they suck now, but um, I think it did set us back a little bit. And I think what kind of killed that even is, you know, you saw the, I mean, obviously we all saw the successes of the early 2000s, 2000 big, 2003 Big 12 championship. That was the first time, I mean, from what I can tell, but back when rivals and ratings started coming out, really, you know, K State was getting you no. Know, that that 2003 class, that was a bunch of four stars and maybe even a five star. I don't even know. And like none of them panned out. Mm. And I think that I mean that just kind of said the tone of like, well, 
that obviously didn't work. So, like, why even go after these dudes? Were we talking about Matt Boss? The Matt Boss class? Right. Because there was him. There was that QB. There was – I don't know. It just seemed like there was a riddled with – like, more four stars in case they would ever normally get. To be what? fair, I think a, a lot of those early recruiting classes really overvalued junior college players, which honestly part of that's case that's fault for being so successful with them. But, I mean, yeah, they were just handing out four stars like candy to JUCO players. When this year, I think there's two four-star rated JUCO players, and I think they're both committed to Alabama. So, and they're yeah, both I mean, four one's, stars. One's a guy from Kansas that we offered a preferred walk-on to, but he, he bet Tied on himself. In. And uh, Malik, what's his name, Malik Benson? Now yeah, he's going like to Bama. But, I mean – you can't see that far into the future, but I mean, he bet on himself and and he won. But JUCO, JUCO recruiting, I think it all depends on the kid, really, because I think the days of placing a kid, especially from Kansas, um, and placing them in Butler, they're going to get found. So there's no there's no hiding them anymore. So Dude, you, either never... you get sorry. No, go ahead, but I'm, I was I'm just, just thinking, yeah. No, I was just thinking about, like, what was that? We had a linebacker and D-tackle, both from, like, the JUCO ranks. Like, like maybe two- of Derek Pot and Clinksdale? Yeah, dude, I remember yeah, I was yes, so yes, hyped yes, on yes, these yes. guys. And they didn't even ever, they didn't even last till I think, even the, well, they didn't even make Clink, it Clink scales? fall semester. Yeah, Clint Scales and Derek Hot. We, I was so hyped on both those Clint guys. Scales, he's, on the, Clint, he's on the all-time name list, though. Clink Scales was like, that's the sickest name for a dude that's just like trying to, I don't know, be a fucking badass. Yeah. And, and, he was, he was, he was solid, but Derek Hot, he got a power yeah, 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 yeah. And then he he just dipped. But what it, happened to him? He went to like I think he went to like a, not NAI Southern or Eastern Kentucky. Shit. He went to Eastern Kentucky. I think I'm pretty sure he went to Eastern yeah. Kentucky, played a season, and then just fell off the earth. But I mean, these those guys, you you're gonna get head cases if you, anybody's watched Last Chance. You you know, <laughs> recruiting JUCO is a fucking crackpot whirlwind. Either. You're you don't Terrell Terrell Clinkscales from Dodge City. Yeah, they both went to Dodge City. Yeah, it goes back to the uh, what's that wide receiver we recruited from like California JUCO that was a four star. He never made it to campus. Marquez? Or, what was his name? What year? I don't know. What year was that? Ah, shit. It was, it was like probably 2013 or 2014. I know we, we had, had that. Dude, uh, Ian, Ian Seau was. He lived two doors down from me in the dorms. Hush. He went to, he went to like Utah State, State after a while, there, right? A couple years ago. Who are we talking about? Utah. Ian Seau went to Nevada. Uh, yeah, he he was he was at K State for like a year. He lived on my floor in the dorms in Haymaker, and then he he dipped out. But I I remember like I think that happened like he was a freshman the year that that Junior Seau died. That's it tough. was it was kind of wild. It was wild. But yeah, I mean. The JUCO recruiting, I mean, it's always been a crackpot, but you'll get the Michael Bishops. You'll get, I mean, Malik Benson looks like he's going to pan out for Alabama. I mean, you get these guys, but you're going to also get some guys that just don't know how to even read. So you don't know whether they're going to even make it. 
Well, it's like... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say... Dude, that made me crack up. I mean, it's completely different now because now instead of finding these diamonds in the rough at JUCOs, it's finding the diamonds in the rough from Southern Miss or... And, and, you know, so it's almost like the JUCOs are really, they're there for a lot of, you know, a lot of athletes that maybe can't get into a bigger school because of academics or, or something along those lines. And, you know, there's still athletes there, but there might be a little bit more work that you have to put in to make sure that they can get to campus versus, you know, these kids from, you know, smaller schools that, you know, you can start scouting and you hear, you know, they're in the portal, you're, you're on them. Right. Um, and I so mean, just, that, yeah, because yeah, that's what, I mean, I hate to say it and potentially that's what could be happening to the big 12, but you get these tiers of, of conferences where like a kid from the Mac who's from uh, someplace in Ohio or a kid from the conference USA that's from someplace in Mississippi, they have one good season, their true freshman season, and then they enter the transfer portal. Now you've got SEC offers. Now you've got uh, Big Ten offers. And that's kind of what the JUCO ranks was. I mean, you went, you had a good high school career. You didn't get recruited the way you wanted. You go to JUCO, now you're getting big-time offers. And that's what – and unfortunately, that's what's happening to the MAC, the Conference USA, the Sun Belt. These – they're just farms for the big schools. And it's vice versa, too, because, I mean, we recruit the big, the big talented kid here. He doesn't pan out. Send his ass to the Sun Belt. Send right. his ass to Conference USA. I think it evens out. Like, how many guys have we already sent to, you know – non group of five schools exactly we send we send half our two deep to random g5s in the secondary every year so yeah i mean it evens out but i mean you would think it, it, it sucks for the kids that are i mean it sucks for the coaches and the teams i just listened to a recruiting talk from a guy from washington state he says he does they don't recruit juco's anymore just because the transfer portals now and it sucks for kids in like the Mac. I mean, the coaches in the Mac because they recruit a kid and he turns and they know he's a stud and he turns into a stud. Now he's gone. I guarantee they just know, yeah, guarantee that he's gone. Well, Juco is going to be recruiting Washington State now with conference realignment. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, send them to the what is the league? Is it? It's not a Jayhawk league, is it? Is that the? That's, oh, the Jayhawk league. Yeah, that's the one in Kansas with like yeah, Dodge City CC, Independence, Indy, Coach, uh, whatever Brown, Jayhawk whatever Conference. the fuck he is on uh, Lance SU, whatever. Yep. Independence, Jason Independence, Brown, Highland, Indy, Coffeyville. Oh yeah, that guy. Uh, he's blocked by somebody. I forgot. I forgot who blocked him, but um, yeah. I, I, I'm curious, uh, anybody else have anything else that they want to chat through? Any other hot topics for discussion? We've had a really good, it's been like an hour and 15 minutes that we've been doing this and I'm, I'm good to keep going cause it's only nine o'clock mountain time here, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, my bedtime high, here. So I'm just, I, I just want to ask what was, what was everybody's not favorite player, but just we, that the Clinkstale and Derek Cock made me think of just reminiscing on players. Like, just give me the player you can think of 
that I mean you just remember just so vividly. It doesn't even have to be a star. Just I just like to think of old K State players. So we include <laughs> players that never got on campus. Not necessarily even that. I mean, it could be anybody. I just I can re- like if somebody said DJ Reed, I'm gonna immediately think of the Texas Tech pick on Matt, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and like just say a player that played at K State, and it's just fun <laughs> to reminisce on those guys. I, so uh, I'm from Central Kansas, like North Central Kansas, and I love it. Obviously, the recruiting for Kansas kids, but. Anytime I think of K State football, I think of Mark Simino. Oh, Jesus! What a he, stud! I was I was a kid, I was a kid, and he came to my high school to talk to the high school at that time. And dude, he was yoked, <laughs> and oh my god! It made me. I, may, when you say Mark Simino, it may—I mean, obviously you think of the player, and I mean you think of that neck roll. I think he was number fifty-three. You just think you just obviously see that. But when I see Mark Simino, I see a slightly older Jack Mark Simino training Jordan Willis to do box jumps at his <laughs> training lab. So uh, my player is also a linebacker, not renownedly loved, and but. Uh, I uh old uh Teddy Sims and Ted my, Sims. the only Dude. reason uh he's my guy is just because he's like my second cousin. Oh wow! Like, and I, he's and I was really young. I was like what fifth grade I think when the 2003 Big Twelve Championship happened. Mm. So like as a young you know K State fan, I was like oh shit! Like I'm related to this guy. Like that's fucking awesome. He had the pick six in the Big 12 championship. Yeah. 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 He was kind of always my guy growing up because I was like, oh, I can, like, we're, I mean, obviously, second cousins isn't, like, close, close, but still. They say that's the, my guy. They say that's the loudest K State pop next to, like, the Cartier Jara dunk. But, like, that, I guess Arrowhead just blew up when they ran that pick six back. Man, you could hear, you could hear it in Wyatt's voice when he made that call. Yeah. Like, Anytime I, I hear, like, anytime I watch that stand up for the champions uh, video, I get, I just get chills just from I, the pick yeah. six. Uh, Brett Musburger, I was look because I, I, you know, watching the game and seeing the highlights, I just always remember like, in, instead of like Ted Sims, like Teddy Sims with the interception. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna go really sarcastic yeah. on this one. Um, I'm just thinking my freshman year, and uh, Ron Prince, we didn't have any running backs like my freshman year and uh, even in my sophomore year. So he moved two guys, Lamarck Brown and Oof. Logan, Logan Gold. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> Logan. And, I, and I just remember, I mean, I just remember the, uh, you know, seeing Lamarck Brown in the backfield. I mean, he was a big dude. Yeah. Um, big dude back there. And in the first game, I, I'm pretty sure he had, he had like a pretty decent running game. And then he got Logan Dole coming from, I think he played safety. And yeah. just threw him out there, and we're like, "What the fuck? What are we doing here?" Kind of, you know, naturally the Ron Prince, but um, I just I want to go sarcastic on it because I was just thinking about it, like, "Holy there, shit!" I no, feel like there's are... one game where Logan Gold rushed for like 200 plus yards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it might have been the second game, yeah. something, but I'll I'll never forget that. Uh, that's hilarious, dude. What you got, Connor? Give me somebody. Give me some reminiscent memories. Um, gosh, I, there was this one defensive back from 2013 Uh-oh. who 
I loved. I know that's another moment. 2013 defensive back. Uh, his name is Kip Daly. Kip Man. Daly, number seven. What a I thought that's stuff. why I thought he was cool. I thought it was so cool that this cornerback or number seven. I was like, that is so awesome. And he had like a really nice pick in like a non-conference yeah. game. So he was just like my favorite player that whole year. Oh, Kip Daly was, was a stud, dude. I loved three Kip picks Daly. against Oklahoma State. That was Alan. Uh, no, that was Alan Chapman. That was Alan Chapman. Yeah, that. Bubba Chapman, I think that's what they was that his nickname. Yeah, I like Bubba the. Uh, I was thinking of the Johnny Starks when he teabagged that A and M player in the end zone. Oh, that was oh, hilarious too, dude. That was. I'm, they almost that's, like that's pretty solid. I'm thinking we've had some good number Dominique sevens. Teeth. Uh, we've had, yeah. we've had a shit ton of good number sevens, man. Well, I was thinking like Denzel McDaniel. Then wasn't he Denzel number seven? McDaniel. Uh, dude, he when was. he had that short pick six in the Oklahoma game, uh, like yeah. a four yards, like six. for like two yards or something. Or yeah, something. I I literally screamed his name as loud as I fucking could <laughs> in the middle of just the day during. Uh, I think it was a noon game too. I'm just sitting in my chair. I had a. I was dressed ready for work, and I just screamed. And that was Trevor. Wasn't that Trevor Knight at quarterback for OU? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Then Bill ends up like getting injured, and like I feel like after that year, like we didn't see much of him. He got hands on McDaniel, another community college guy. He used to thump. He used to. He was. He if they threw a screen out there, just just know if he doesn't get blocked, you are in a world of hurt, dude. He used to be a missile. I loved. He I was loved fourteen, him. right? Uh, so that would have been like Auburn. I, I swear yeah, he yeah. was. He played for the Auburn, right? Or he played? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He did. Yeah. Auburn had that good wide receiver. He was in the same recruiting class as um, that Nick Marshall that was playing That's for right. Auburn at quarterback, and they were both yeah. JUCO guys. And I he remember was twenty fourteen like, second team All Big Twelve. He was a stud, man. He was. Were we in talks with uh, Nick Marshall? Like, we were number two. Oh, we yeah. were recruiting Auburn, him, too. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. we – I think it was – He was, he was a Hold on, hold on, hold on, too. hold on. What year was yeah. that? That was 2014? It was 2014, yeah. Because that was my junior year at K-State. It was a Thursday night football game. And it was – God, okay. that was just – Hold on. So when was Jake Waters – when was Jake Waters recruited? It was the same Jake year. Waters was 13 through 15, right? I think No, he was only there picked, 13 and 14. 13 we to 14, Jake, yeah. I think we – Because he was like Iowa we picked, Western. Yeah, we picked Jake Waters over Nick Marshall. Correct. I think that's what ended up happening. Yeah, because Marshall, had, they were Marshall like one, had a good 13 year at Auburn, and he had some good hype going into 14, which Auburn did as well. Um, but yeah, we picked Waters over him because he was Jake Waters was one in the Juco ranks and Nick Marshall was two. I'm pretty sure I remember that recruiting timeline like that. And we just had to choose and, and Jake Waters, we picked Jake Waters. That was God damn. Jake Waters was a yeah. stud too. Dude. He picked us yeah. over uh, Penn state too. It was awesome. Yeah. Penn, Penn state. state. I remember damn. that. Like, damn. <laughs> Something down, uh, me and my, me and, uh, me and my, uh, this is gonna sound so stupid. It's very random. For some reason, me and my buddy used to always call Jake Waters Jack Walters. <laughs> so, uh, we were team camp at the time, being dumb, but you know. Dude, I, I still think that one of the biggest, most missed opportunities for K State was beating a an Auburn team that was coming off of a national championship berth. And blame, it's just, it, blame, it still kills. Blame me. Tyler Lockett. 
Blame Tyler. Blame Tyler. Uh, it's there Jack was like three missed field goals that game too. Yeah, goals, but he dropped the touchdown that could have won the game. Since we were six years old, and I love that kid to death. The dude got death threats after that game. Like he he deserves a certain amount of the blame, but there was also there were some extenuating circumstances. Like he doesn't he doesn't deserve the entire load of the burden on that. No, no. I, I blame Tyler Lockett solely. That's no, it. I it's I him. saw something about Tyler Lockett that said that he hasn't dropped a red zone target since he's been in the NFL, which leads me to believe the yes. last time he dropped a red zone target was that, that game. I think it was yeah. the Auburn game, yeah. Exactly. Jesus Christ. If, if we go back to the original question, the guy that I was thinking of was Alasana Alasana. Speaking of Auburn. Didn't he play he played left tackle, didn't he? he, uh, like, he yeah. And 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 he's got a fucking post hardcore band named after him, basically. Ooh. So Do you know first... another, you know another Samoan guy that you just brought up out of sign. However, you say his name, Vilatui. Vilatui. Vilatui was my guy at nose guard. They never gave him any love, but he was a stud. Oh, uh, you were bringing up Alasana, Alasana. I swear. So this would have been my like senior year in high school, I think, when we played Auburn, and it was in 2007 at Auburn, and he had like what five or six false start Dude. penalties in that game. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it was the same. It was Alasana, Alasana every single time. I still remember. Just and that's epitome, how I know that game. That's the epitome of Ron Prince. He's a, he's a pretty cool guy. I've actually met him because I think he actually ended up marrying like one of Ted Sims's sisters or something. Because they were at a tailgate one time, and like I was never super close to that you know that distant of a family, but they were close with some of my other family members. And yeah, like he was at a tailgate. And I think he married one of like Ted Sims's sisters or something. But super cool that guy, incredible. Was, yeah, it was when I first like couple of years i moved down to austin because i was up there and he was asking about austin and all this pretty nice guy i'll tell you the- my player before i get out of here yeah and it's just the most random player and i just remember him because we have a history of small backs but there's never been a smaller back than robert oh, Rose. Dude, I got robert story. yes well not really a story but i would always see because robert rose and uh, Cornelius Lucas, who was oh, Jesus. Cornelius <laughs> Lucas. Those two would always walk to class together because I, I don't know, must have like a similar schedule. I'd always park. I'd always park in that lot by the old stadium, and I, you know, I'd start walking to class, and those two were always walking next to each other, like ahead of me. I like these cannot be like the biggest differentials. That's somebody. That's Cornelius's son. I mean, it probably looked like <laughs> his little kid next to him, six Cole. nine versus five three. Yeah, God. When we were heading to heading to Kezi for uh, Mascom one ten with Smethers in the small group class. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. Uh, one one another random player is I met Jeff Kelly's cousin or nephew or something at the UTK State game last year in Austin. Um, and that was a name I had not heard in a very, very long time. Um, Jeff but Kelly? I, I got to, yeah, I got to meet Jeff uh, Kelly. He's a super, super fucking God cool damn. guy. He's from LaGrange, LaGrange, yeah. Texas. God damn, man. Jeff Kelly was a beast. <laughs> William Do Powell. We? William Powell. Do we and have a that's yep. the that, that Texas stuff. game 2010 with him and Daniel Thomas. Uh, just, 
Yeah, Did Daniel William Thomas. Powell have some incredible NFL preseason one year, and then just like kind of never really like stick around. They like, just returned so many kicks for touchdowns. I think that preseason, like it just yeah, yeah. He, I mean, that's another crazy. smaller running back. I mean, we obviously do well with those, but <laughs> no, Demarcus Robinson was a thick boy too. That boy oh was God. like five yeah. seven, like two forty. <laughs> He was a four-star recruit, Demarcus yeah. Robinson. Yeah, I thought he was the next Sproles. Oof. And so and we I played Charles. It, Jones I said it in one of the Bosco's Boys podcasts when we were talking about like underrated like players that you think of like in Madden. And Rock Cartwright was my guy. Oh. I think I can remember. <laughs> I think I can only remember like two highlights of him at K State, but I just remember him in the NFL with the Redskins, like going. That's hard. right. Oh man. <laughs> William Powell. So William Powell, I just found an article from the Topeka Capital Journal from 2010, September 7, 2010. William Powell, no longer unknown. And then the, oh. the subcap, the subcaption here is William Powell gashed UCLA, new new Big Big Ten member, uh, on Saturday for 72 yards on six carries. Backing up Damn. Thomas. Was that, 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 that UCLA game was great. I that was great a fun game. Of that game. 2009. Oh, it was so fucking fun. I was only yeah. like 10 did we years win old that? when that game happened, but we did. We yeah. won like 30 to 20. 2010. 2010. Oh, it was 2010. Sep- that's right. September 7th, 2010 is what this Did you remember about. we were talking about the, um, the TV contracts and all that stuff and CBS and all that? Do you remember when we were playing USC like on TBS, yeah. like or in two thousand two, and we against Troy Palomalu? Yeah, and he fucking um, obliterated. Was it Sproles on the um, punt return? He just like completely cheap shotted him. Like, oh my god, that was insane. We, yeah. we beat Troy Palomalu and fucking Carson Palmer. That's so cool. Two times, and, in and a row. I think the two game was on. And I think the game was on TBS. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. used to broadcast college football. Like, yeah, that's case, so crazy. Granted, like, granted if, if Turner if Turner Broadcasting were to buy the rights for, like, Tier 2, Tier 3 rights, that wouldn't be that bad because we no, would have I'd TBS, love TNT. UCA, like, USA, USA, I think it, they own that, too. That USA. awesome. I'd love to get back. And, then, and, yeah. and to be honest with you, having watched, like, the NHL playoffs and go abs, like, the TNT broadcasts were the best out of all of them. Yes, I, feel like they I mean, Steve yeah. Levy sucks. Dude, I mean, you talk about you talk about like watching um they and they have relations with college basketball. You know they know how to do the college game with the March Madness. I watched those are like some of my favorite games is on USA. Oh yeah. And like just they have a nice broadcast looking uh font. I like it all. It's it's very good. I would I would watch it. Fuck it. You know what I'd yeah, love 20, to watch you go to Carson on Palmer. TV. <laughs> I was going to say, you go to Carson Palmer's Wikipedia page, there's zero reference of K-State here, but uh, you know they're hiding the truth. Oh, they have to. <laughs> Got to keep that brand. What does in. this say about his legacy? <laughs> what legacy? It's Carson Palmer we're talking about. He was getting paid under a table by U- USC, too. Yo, and, and to bring that. it back full circle, Phil Bennett was the defensive coordinator for that team. Ooh. Uh, at USC? Yeah, no, no at, for us, at K- us, K- us at 10-6 uh, at L.A. Memorial Coliseum. And then in 2002, uh, Brett Bielema was, was the defensive coordinator. Wait, that and, game was 10-6? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. And then the next game at KSU Stadium, 
That was the that was when Newman returned, wasn't it? Yeah, that was twenty-seven to twenty on TBS. Ooh. All right, fellas, it's been fun for me. You guys keep going, but I'm gonna hit the hay, and it's this is we got to keep doing these. This is fun. I've enjoyed this. Yeah. This yeah. is fun. Yeah, yeah, I, was... I, I kind of like doing the whole roundtable thing and, and getting some more people involved and just having kind of a free-for-all, uh, free-form type of type of way of doing it. I don't know. I'll put it on Honestly, SoundCloud. I think something. I'm just a I fiend and can't get enough cats talk with other cats. Dude, I could talk K-State Dude. forever. Same. Yeah. Same. That's why I started a podcast. Great. Get me, on, <laughs> get me, on, your, get me on your podcast whenever you want, Connor. We'll put you on the list, Chef. We gotta also, get Scott. Chef, on your uh, picture on here is fantastic and adorable. Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. Avery Johnson. I, I just noticed that, Chef. I love that. That's Avery Johnson. That's such, yeah. such a stud. We're gonna see pictures of Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards, and their cats gear when they're kids. Oh my god, dude! You know how they show like Deuce, like like when he was in high school and all that stuff. They're gonna be talking about those two at the on the freaking. Uh, championship game on the of the playoffs on espn where they're gonna have you know how they have like seven different broadcasts so like the coach's table they got the freaking the other announcers on the field they got just all yep. that like espn2 espn uh regular espn espn u has a chance like the ocho yeah yeah the random coaching staff that they get to commentate so they're gonna get have, gary like, they're going to get yeah. Gary Patterson and they'll be like, oh, when I played K-State, they ran the fullback <laughs> straight up the nose. Yeah, Gary Pop Patterson pass. is a fucking longhorn now. He's, he's not going to join that. He's too busy on the SEC network now. Right. Yeah, look at like the Virginia Tech coaching staff or somebody random to do it. There's always some – like last year was like a and I think. They're going to bring in Dana Dimmel to commentate on Dana K-State. Dana <laughs> yeah, I love it. I hope they just have the most success this season. They will. All right, boys. Adios, Chef. Later, Later, man. Anybody else have anything else to say or want to keep this going or not or whatever? I got a random player, Justin Silman. Ooh. Justin Silman. And Marcusini, you've got a call. You can drop off. No, no, no. Okay. Justin Silman. So he was, who was he paired with that year? Barnes? Or, it, was, Barnes. Yes, it was Barnes. It was Barnes. It was Barnes. Silman had one. I remember like one game. Was it maybe at TCU or something that he like just we we're like, oh, man, this guy could be really good. And then it was like a Barnes. random non-con game that we struggled in a lot more than we should. Oh, it was that triple overtime Louisiana Tech. Game. Oh, that's right. Jeff, Jeff Driscoll mm. was the quarterback for Louisiana Tech. So they were basically cheating. Oh, wow. Power yeah. by QB. But. Yeah, I think that was the game because he had like 120 yards and then had like 200 the rest of the season. But that was just was, uh, that was just that was just Bill Snyder running backs that weren't the number one. Guy. Yeah, like Dalvin Warmack was, had like the most tragic career of any case safe player. Who's, he was on the 2017 Doak Walker Award watch list, I guess, on 2017. Justin Silver, which is oh which is God. wild to me. So oh, the that Louisiana that was based Tech on game, small sample size, yeah. <laughs> That uh, Louisiana Tech game reminds me of when I watched that game. So I was living in Austin at the time, and I watched that game at a bar. Were together at that point? No. No, this had been like late 2015. Well, maybe, but 
Um, yeah, no, I, I was probably there with you. I was probably there with you. Was um, it cover three? Yeah, cover three. Yeah. All right. Guys, I love cover two. I'm going to cover three like one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Cole, for Matt, for, for perspective, Cole lives in Austin now. Okay, so yeah. So he, he, he still has, I don't know, he still has context in the shit, whereas, like, you and I haven't been there for five years at least. Got it, got it. So the so that night, I went to the UT game. They played Cal. So Jared Goff was the quarterback. Mm. And that game, Cal had a three-touchdown lead going into the fourth quarter, and Texas came back and scored a touchdown with three seconds left, but the kicker missed the PAT. <laughs> And like nobody, everybody was excited. Like everybody was celebrating, and then nobody, nobody saw that the kicker missed a PAT. And then everybody, I mean, they lost by one. God, that sounds like Charlie Strong to a T. Oh my God, it was incredible. <laughs> that is so bad. And then I was like, oh shit, Jared Goff is going to be the number one pick or whatever. And then I mean, he, you know, he did what he did, but. Dude, I will never, I will never forget that 2015 K State Texas game where it was in the rain. It was disgusting. Yeah. They fucking beat us. We should not have lost to them in that game. That was just. That I was drove. Uh, I just remember driving down here for that game, and it was a fucking monsoon. The whole like once you got to Oklahoma to Austin, there were just so many jackknife semis and wrecks. Like, cause there was like that hurricane that hit Mexico or something. That same. Like weekend, yeah. I remember. Because like, it wasn't was Harvey. Because Harvey, Harvey was twenty seventeen. But what was what was twenty fifteen? And, and Cole, when did you move to Austin? Uh, like the end of summer, early fall of twenty sixteen. I took that okay. extra victory lap at K State. You know. Okay, so we overlapped by a little bit there. Not not a not a whole lot, but a little yeah. bit. I moved out July of sixteen. Yeah, I moved in December of seventeen. But I mean, I, I, yeah, that K State game was awful. That was one of the the worst games ever with the rain and like we played like shit. And you know, Texas wasn't even good that year. I mean, no. it was we gave up kind of a bad one there. But who was, yeah, was that when 40, they were? They lost forty five forty four to Cal ninety. 91,568 people were there. Oh, it was, it was fun. I mean, it was a fun game to go to as a college football fan, especially when they were coming back. And I can't remember who the Texas quarterback was that year, if it was one of the McCoy, if it was uh, the... Was that the, Gerard Hurd? Uh, oh, it was Swoops. It was, was It might it? have been Swoops. Yeah, because they, 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 yep. they had that year yep. where, yeah... It was Hurd, who was like a converted receiver, swoops. and Swoops, who was basically like big Wheeler and slow Patrick. Daniel Sams. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> he, he was he was Blake Bell, I guess. Is he was Daniel Sams it. mixed with Blake Bell. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, but we a lot of the games we've had in Texas in recent years have been games that we should have won. I feel like, like yeah, I've been this past season nineteen. We should have absolutely won in nineteen. 17 that, dude, I've, been, I've been with my wife since june of 2017 and we have lost every game since i've been with her and she is a longhorn fan and there is nothing nothing on this planet that i yearn for more other than to beat them and just fucking decimate them in football because i never want to we used to own them her we or used her to dad own them. or 
anything. Another team right up that alley, I feel like, is Baylor. I was looking at, like, random A-State uh, Baylor games. We were one of Baylor's only wins that year they won two games. It was, like, around his first year or some shit. 2020, yeah. Uh, we should have yeah. won that again. Right. We lost by one point, and it's like we haven't beat Baylor since, like, 2000, like, when Snyder was here, I think. Yeah, the yeah. last time we beat them was the game in Waco, which was the year this that Farm Bryles had the fucking, like, That Jeff, was 16. Yeah, yeah, it was the year that they had the Jeff Webby, the fucking, like, Save Art Bryles t-shirts and all that bullshit, and I remember taking yeah. a picture after we beat their asses in Waco because it was at the game because it was an hour drive from Austin. And I took a picture of this little sad teddy bear on a tiny little bleacher that was just bleak and dismal, and they were so sad. Wait, and did we not beat? Did we not beat them in nineteen or seventeen? No, they beat no. us pretty handedly in nineteen. In nineteen, I think because they were pretty we, good that year. Uh, I thought we beat them in first. The first year rule was the uh, coach. Don't um, worry, I'm looking up Winsapedia K State Baylor. It's ten Eight, to nine. I, what did that? Was ten to nine. <laughs> In 18, I remember Alex Barnes had, like, 300 rushing yards, and we lost in that game. Like We have – yeah, we have not won since 2017 in Manhattan. So we so did 17, beat them in 2016, but we then we then beat them in 17 and haven't won since. 17 was Rule's first year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. 33 to 20 we won in 17, and then we lost 37-34 in 18. Ugh. I never had good experiences in Waco, so I can't. I was in Waco in 2012. I was too, and I went. So I went in 12, and I went in 14. Uh, 14 was the most frustrating game to watch on TV because I was just sitting there, like, if our corners played like five yards off instead of ten yards off, Bryce Petty wouldn't be like 35 for 40. Exactly. So Mark Cassini, like, it was curl after curl. But I was gotta love that person. Oh man, I was at the Delta Sig house. It was during Thanksgiving break in 2012. I was a sophomore at that point, so I was very much drinking underage. It was me and the boat twins, Levi and Dano, uh, and we were watching in Ducks Inn in Delta Sig for those who know. And watching in my room, and I mean, fuck, like I was just pounding screwdrivers. Like I don't know why that was the drink of choice <laughs> that I had for that night. But I don't think I've had a screwdriver since that game because it was just such a fucking miserable night. And then at the end of the night, after all of that happened, I then broke my ankle coming down the stairs. That's pretty hard. It was just like it was just like insult to injury, (laughs) like literally injury to insult, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. But it was it was probably the worst night of my life. I actually remember uh, that. My uh, yeah, I'm sure you do. Twenty twelve was my. With that game, the Baylor game, I went back home to, like, we had some family friends back home, and we we're actually celebrating my birthday, because it was my birthday, November 17, 2012. And you're from Hayes, and right? You're from, like, Western Kansas, right? Uh, Chapman. 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 That's Chapman. Right. Yeah, and so we were celebrating my 22nd birthday, you know, real excited, because I was like, oh, shit, like, that was when K-State was, they just became number one in the country, great yeah. week on campus, like, this is going to be awesome. And yeah, that was like, I'll never forget that birthday for as long as I live. And the thing that really stuck out of me, because like my dad, you know, he cares about K-State and sports and everything. But at the end of the day, my dad's more of like, yeah, it fucking sucks. But at the end of the day, it's just a fucking game. I've never seen my dad more sad after, like more like sad and depressed after a loss in that 2012. 
Which he probably was oh. 98 A&M too, but like I don't remember that because I was only like six. But, so yeah. my world came full circle with that. So I went to that game in 2012. I flew down. So I, when I worked in Austin, um, like randomly, um, I had stuff on my desk, like K-State stuff, of course. And um, so we had somebody new start and this guy like comes and walks like next to me to my desk, this big, big dude. And um, he goes, hey, uh, did you go to K-State? And I was like, yeah, I went to K-State. And I asked where he went. And he was like, I went to Baylor. And I looked at him and I'm like, he looks really familiar. I was like, hey, what's your name? And he's like, my name's Glasgow. Glasgow Martin. So I I worked with Glasgow Martin. And I hated that. (laughs) He was like, I'm sure you remember that night in November, I was like, no, nope. yeah, I was there. Never heard of it. Oh, what? <laughs> like, one of my, well, you're the one, one who's working here. <laughs> I was like, one of my most that. random run-ins I have with anybody in Austin, Texas was, so I was, <laughs> Marchesini, I was out with you that night. It was when Austin Bosch came to town. Oh Jesus. And it was, it was the night of the Supreme Court decision <laughs> for gay rights. God. Gay marriage. And Austin Bosch was staying with me, and we got a ride home from Rain. Oh yeah, which is a gay bar in Austin. To my apartment that was in West West Campus, like twenty sixth and Quad Cole. Um, so like very much West Campus, very much degenerate. Our Uber driver that night was Ryan Erksleben, <laughs> yeah. and I still have uh... Ryan Erksleben's number. But that that motherfucker, he he texted me every single year that Texas Tech would beat K State in football, and he would just be like, "Hey, bet you bet you thought that was like that was a good game, huh?" Like, and I'm like, "Dude, what the fuck? Like, how do when you was the last time Texas Tech beat K State? 2015. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. 2015. Oh, wow. Even in, like basketball and shit, he would still like text me." And, but I just remember from that ride home, the thing that he said, he was like, dude, I shanked that punt. And, and I forget who, what year it was. I want to say it was like 2012 or 2013, but he shanked a punt against us and it went like negative five or negative 10 yards. And he's like, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. That was the most hostile environment that I have ever been in as a competitor. And it will never compete against Texas or Oklahoma or any of these other places that he ever played uh, college football at. And so that, was, that stuck with me. But Ryan I think that's so cool. and I still have his phone number. I could shoot him a text right now <laughs> if I really wanted to. Wasn't it Art Browse? He's like, what, he had that comment one year. He's like, if you don't want to hear shit on the sidelines, go to fucking. <laughs> Get some frozen tortillas thrown at you. Yeah, because his his dad also played at Texas, so his he was a UT legacy, and he went to Tech, and yeah, all that good stuff. Side note: Well, I'm uh, I'm hearing thought. I'm hearing the silence. Okay, Nick, well, go ahead. Yeah, random thought. Uh, that's some great coffee you sent, by the way. Yeah, how did you like the Hawk? Bro, that was like I got we got done with it and then the 
next day, wife goes, you got any more of that coffee? I'm like, uh, we're out. She goes, <laughs> she goes, oh. Nick, okay. I need you to convince me on coffee. Like, I'll get coffee if someone, like, buys me coffee or makes me coffee. I just, I don't know. Like, I enjoy coffee, but I never drink it because I'm not going to take my time to go through the process of making coffee. And I feel Bro, like so I just, you, I'm lazy. Do you like Starbucks or Dunkin'? Or Dunkin', Dunkin' sucks. And Starbucks, like, okay. Starbucks will happen, like, once every three months. Okay. So not, so not really, I guess. For, for me, what I did, like, I liked Starbucks. I used to. And then I deployed and then came back and just drank straight black coffee. What I did, I started going to local shops. Where were you deployed local- to, by the way, Nick? Because I think that uh, might be important context for people who don't know. And also, like, if they have good coffee there, maybe maybe get some good coffee there if that was what was helpful for you. So it's deployed to the Middle East and can't really get coffee from there. I mean, okay. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought about that. But, um, but, no, I had coffee sent to me. And so I had to grind my own beans and then made my own coffee. But anyways – Go go to like a local coffee shop first. There's plenty down here, and and yeah, and get the local roasted coffee, and then see if they can do pour overs because that's probably the standard of all coffee. I made a tweet the other day. What's a pour over? So basically, you have like a little device that goes over your cup, and you put the coffee beans like coffee grinds in it and then you pour water over it. It's going to, it takes time, but, but you will taste the coffee so much better that it's just, it's just overall better if you do like a pour over like that, or even like just having fresh roasted coffee beans, it'll taste better than store-bought sitting on the shelf for God knows how long. So hence why I, I recommend going to the coffee shops and just getting their local roasted coffee. And even if it's just a regular drip coffee, you'll notice a difference if you go there and then the next day go to a Starbucks and get a drip coffee and you're just like, oh, that's crap. Like you you will notice a difference. And once you get accustomed to going to the coffee shops and you're like, okay, I want this every day. I want this in my house. Then we can start talking about equipment to use. So... Start going to your local coffees more and just get, you know, ask about, you know, the local coffee that they roasted and just kind of ask, you know, can you do a pour over? Pour over? If not, then just get your regular drip coffee. Um, I, I like my coffee black. I don't drink cream or sugar. I don't want that crap. But I'm. Right I'm a, I, yeah, I'm, Nick. I'm weird. I'm weird like that. Nick, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Connor, Connor, are you in KC right now? I'm in Manhattan. Um, what was the what was the place? There's a place in Manhattan on in Aggieville that's newer. It's called like the Public, I want to say. Oh, Public Hall. Yeah, Public Hall. They've got some pretty good coffee from what I've heard from my sister, who's definitely also a coffee snob. So, brothers, um, it's kind of down the street from. Aggieville, like a block, 
across the street. It's actually right next to um, either behind Manhattan Col- uh, Christian College or whatever. Mm. And they do pour-overs, and they do really good coffee. I recommend them. I gotcha. go there a lot when I go to Manhattan. Um, I actually yeah. went to Blue Stem Bistro. Blue Stem. Yesterday. That's where I used to, dude, that's where I always used to go. <laughs> and I, I, 